you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome everyone back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm Lisa Palladino, and I'm very excited to have today one of the experts in the field of laser technology, Dr. Peter Vitruk. Dr. Vitruk was born and raised in Ukraine. He earned his PhD in physics in the late 1980s in the former USSR. In the 90s, he held research science scientist position with the Academy of Sciences in the former USSR, and then a Royal Society Visiting Research Fellow position at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland. He later worked for several laser companies in Seattle, Washington. In the 2000s, Dr. Vitruk founded Luxacare, a Asculite Light Scalpel Group, the American-based designer and manufacturer of exclusive flexible fiber surgical CO2 lasers for small office outpatient market. Dr. Vitruk has co-authored 10 patents and over 50 articles on CO2 lasers and is a member of the Institute of Physics in the UK. In 2017, he founded the American Laser Study Club, which is how we met, an educational platform that helps physicians, dentists, veterinarians, and practice staff members to excel at efficient and safe application of laser energy in everyday practice. He is married to his wife of 37 years, Natasha, and they together have two children, Olga and Alexander, and I know a new grandson as well. So welcome, Peter. That was a lot because you do have quite a history and quite a lot of experience and a lot of scientific experience behind you that we will try today to translate nicely for people to understand what we're talking about when we get so excited about your laser. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa, very, very much. It's my pleasure. And I uh, cherish uh, any and every single opportunity to convey a very simple message. You know, physics is actually pretty simple and it's pretty easy for parents to understand uh, and then to make an educated decision which way do they go? Right. Right. So thank you again, Lisa. Yeah. So I I know that when I first asked you to come on, one of the things you were, you asked me was like, well, you're used to presenting to professionals mostly where you're showing us graphs and slides and lots of technical information about wavelengths and physics and all kinds of really interesting things, but we can't do that um, by audio. We can only do that with video, but we're going to talk today because The reason that I think this is really crucial is because both 
in the um, population of parents who are deciding whether or not to have a tongue-tie procedure for their baby and the pre- professionals that are considering using laser in their offices. There are so many differences among different types of lasers. And also just the word laser sometimes can be a scary word for those who don't understand how they work, right? So um, how did you get into lasers? Like how, how, how does one like grow up and be a laser professional? <laughs> well, that was a super long time ago. It was still back in the USSR. I did my physics PhD uh-huh. uh, within the Academy of Soviet Academy of Sciences. Uh-huh. And the, uh, so uh, my thesis was on the plasma physics and the laser resonator optics uh, all was the instant applications and a new type of the lasers. So nowadays, they say simply became they dominate the surgical and medical uh, applications. So that's the CO2 laser or very special kinds. It's pretty compact, which is a must have for the commercial applications. Mm-hmm. It can be very rugged. And again, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And what's also important, there is a way to make it very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So that's what we use on a light scalpel lasers, that type. Right. So, so that's, that's, that's why dentists are using this in their office because right. of its convenience yeah. for them. It's easy to use. It's more affordable than, than right. lasers were or different types of lasers may be. Right. Um, yeah. So it's kind of in another word, some kind of the one trick pony, you know, just the CO2 lasers for almost 40 years. <laughs> right. So, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording about what you want a laser to do. So a phrenotomy or a phrenectomy can either be done by scissor or laser or even scalpel. Um, some people use cautery, Lord help us. But um what what would be the reason that somebody would say, um, you know, here's a laser and this is why it's better at the procedure for those who are trained in using it or easier or safer, et cetera, than using the other methods? Yes. So, uh, first of all, I appreciate that question just because, you know, the kind of part of big part of the deal to understand, you know, something is actually to articulate the question first kind of what is it that we want and what does that thing do mm-hmm. you know lasers are not kind of the rainbows and unicorns that's not really that 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 part of the big magic so uh, so if we were to simply start with the kind of the clinical side of things kind of whatever we call this device doesn't matter what we call it kind of, but what is it that we want it to do Right. And so, so then, but then instantly they go like, okay, so what is the application? Are we doing the LASIK surgery on the eye? No. Mm-hmm. You know, are we doing a hair removal with the laser beams? No. And so what is it are we doing? So we really, we really need to be very specific as to the, what is that application? Laser is not a magic fix for anything and everything. And so whenever I hear the term uh, all tissue laser, I'm kind of, you know, this is mm-hmm. borderline insane. So, so if we are talking about the phrenotomies, phrenectomies, so instantly we're talking about the vascular tissue surgery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so for the lay people in the audience, that's surgery that's involved in a place where there can be bleeding. 
Correct. Yep. Very, very, yes. a lot of circulation right. is there and there's an opportunity. Yes. Right. So, so, so then, <clears throat> and, and, you know, and what is it that we want to do? We actually want to do surgery. We want to do the pretty superficial uh, incision, but still we are going into mucosa. There are some capillary blood vessels, you know, uh, God forbid we hit on a larger blood vessel. Mm -hmm. uh, so, first requirement that laser beam needs to be uh, have the ability to vaporize the tissue and that that's the action the mm -hmm. laser beam can vaporize very precisely very superficially it can vaporize the tissue so uh, so that's the first requirement mm -hmm. and then but the second requirement is the so if, if we are able to produce a super nice incision just like you know scissor scan in the expert hands mm -hmm. so the next question is okay so you purchase yourself a two hundred thousand dollar laser but what does it make it better than a ten dollar scissors or a hundred dollar scissors right. what is it that you really want that laser to do so the instant answer is well we don't want to have bleeding so right. now we articulate that it has to cut and it has to create a hemostasis or coagulation at the same time, time instantly. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're cutting today and coagulating tomorrow because right. there are so the, again, lasers. Like, yeah, let me just translate for the lay people. Coagulation is a, a fancy word to say for blood clotting. So we right. don't want the blood to, we don't want it to bleed. We want the blood to, to coagulate, to clot so that there's no bleeding. So you're cutting and and hoping it doesn't bleed all at the same Correct. time which you can't do with a scissor or a knife it's going to bleed Correct. when you cut Correct. Yeah so if we if we just can honestly answer this very simple question in a very simple way that this device whatever you call it you call it a laser well if it's a laser then there is a laser beam so then it has to be able to precisely and very gently cut and precisely and very gently coagulate great right. so then we have to simply look at the okay which laser can and can or cannot do either of that mm -hmm. and stay but it, at least if we can simply articulate what is it that we want we kind of like we on a, on, on a 50 percentile mark of understanding what is it that we want that laser to do right Cut and coagulate and hemostasis at the same time right so when you were designing your laser specifically for this very purpose you were looking at how do we get that to be yes. that yep. specific yep. and yes. i just want um those who are listening to understand like how specifically exact this is i've played with late with the light scalpel laser i've played with other lasers as well but we will talk about that today and we learn the first application we learn on is a tomato and you can literally take away the top layer of the skin of the tomato not even going through the skin just the top yes. layer of the skin of the tomato which yep. to me is such a great um illustration of how specific and exact it is so and gentle and gentle yes and yep. the other thing that that comes into play when we're talking about um, phrenotomy is thinking about um, comfort 
And, you know, I, I, I don't know if we have any studies or proof about is it less painful with a laser or not, but I extrapolating the information of that, it, it's quicker, it's more precise, and there's less trauma right because of how precise it is yes yeah, so i can definitely right. cover the pain mm -hmm. uh, post-operative pain mm -hmm. uh, simply referring to the published literature right. but before uh, that uh, discussion it's important now to uh, kind of follow through uh, uh, that uh, two uh, uh, two points, mm -hmm. vaporization of the tissue and the coagulation. So, so this is where we kind of go in a direction that a laser is not a laser, is not a laser, is not a laser. Right. They differ by what is it they can do on a target tissue. Okay. So let me give you a couple of examples. For instance, you know, everybody knows about the LASIK. So the LASIK beam can super precisely vaporize the cornea very superficially but right. here's the big question do we want any coagulation or thermal effects on cornea absolutely not right so, so this you is your example you yep. don't want it to be hot at all for those correct correct so right. this is your example of the type of the laser that does one thing but mm -hmm. does not do the other thing mm -hmm. another example is the so-called hard tissue laser that cuts teeth okay so then here, here's the big question. What does that coagulate in enamel? You know? <laughs> right. So that's an, another example of the right. we want that device to cut, but we don't want any thermal effects. You know, if we can right. I mean, it's like it's like you wouldn't use uh a steak knife to cut, you know, a piece of fruit. It's that right. kind of thing, right? Exactly. You, know, you have a yes. different tool for, for each different job because it right it does it better. I mean that's yeah, so yeah so, so so yeah so so this is also me saying that as far as the lasik type laser mm -hmm. useless for the phrenectomies mm -hmm. the hard tissue specifically the erbium very specific name there are some commercial names no need to mention them but right. just erbium lasers great for etching the tooth also useful for the vascular mm -hmm. uh soft tissue surgery which is by the way the reason you will not find a single erbium laser outside of the dentistry okay for the for the vascular tissue surgeries it kind of tells you a lot about the, what's going on in dentistry right, right. You know, to some, so there to are that. there are different types of lasers that a dentist might have in his office so correct. a dentist correct. doing correct different types of procedures may have or should have different types of lasers yes that yep. he uses for, he yes. doesn't use one laser for everything but that's like an ideal world like in for instance in a cosmetic surgeon's office or the plastic surgeon's office mm -hmm. when you can easily see 10 15 20 different types of lasers mm -hmm. for wrinkles for that type of the skin for the other type of the skin for hair removal for that for the tattoo removal right. for so many different uh, uh applications so let me give you another example uh, of the laser which is used uh, in by physicians and by the dentists and that's the so-called diode laser mm -hmm. uh, they are popular in dentistry because they are very cheap okay uh, 
but outside of the dentistry, uh, they are actually designed to be very powerful and expensive. Mm -hmm. So what is it they do? <clears throat> and the answer is hair removal, for instance. Okay. So now, uh, and the way that application works is that laser beam gets uh, into the skin, under the skin, and the, the properties of the dermis, you know, that the stuff underneath the skin uh, scatters that expensive laser light sideways. So mm -hmm. they can hit hair follicles from the side and they can make them, you know, make them fry, fall out, great application. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the big deal in those kind of applications is that the that laser light, expensive laser light, goes after very specific targets, hair follicles, mm -hmm. but they cannot cut the okay. soft tissue. Okay, which so, is good if you're doing hair removal because you don't want to cut the skin when you're removing. Right. When you're removing <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So now, uh, the diode laser in dentistry cannot cut uh, the mucosa or the frenum with the laser beam so mm -hmm. and, and then you simply realize that in, in the world of the commercial lasers and dentists there are only three types the diode the air beam and the co2 mm -hmm. so this diode cannot cut uh thickly with the laser beam air beam cuts perfectly but cannot coagulate deep enough okay. now the co2 it's just happens to have the ability both uh, it's not your best cutting laser. It's not your best coagulating laser. It just gets you both. Okay. And that, that's what found the application, the reason that it has so many applications in uh, soft tissue surgery mm -hmm. across uh, all of the dental and medical specialties and also in veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. Veterinarians yeah, I was just love. say that, right? Vet yep. Veterinarians oh, yeah. use your laser as well. Um, yes. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Right. So, um, so, so, so if, if I kind of finish it all with yeah, the, uh, so there is a way to turn the diode laser into the electrocautery-like device. Okay. Which is the hot tip. And in, in electrocautery, that's the electrical current that heats up the metal tip. Okay. But the diode laser, it's the it's the laser beam that heats up the glass tip. Okay. So from the get-go, you kind of you're facing the some questions like how how rugged and how fragile the glass tip is and, and so on. Mm -hmm. But when you are cutting with the electrocautery or the diode laser, there's a pretty big risk. And quite often this actually happens mm -hmm. that that depth of coagulation is excessive. Mm -hmm. But what is excessive? Well, the blood vessel capillary diameter is, is think about like a half a thickness of the human hair. It's mm -hmm. very thin capillaries. Right. So with the electrocautery, you are coagulating like 10 times deeper, 20 times deeper. So you're creating excessive depth of the coagulation right, right borderline creating the the thermal burn right right and i have seen um phrenotomies done by that type of laser 
and it does look it looks almost charred sometimes and it's definitely more uncomfortable and um i mean this 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 whole interview is i don't want people to think like i'm i'm making a commercial for your for your company because it sounds that way the way where i'm talking it up but it's my experience the reason why i recommend dentists who use a co2 laser the reason why you know, I invited you to be on is because nobody has ever explained this to me or probably to other lactation consultants, the differences in the laser. And after seeing your very complete presentation on the physics of this, it made me understand my experience from seeing other different types of lasers, procedures, what it was like post-op for these babies. And it what it you know there were some pretty sad situations that I saw. Now that being said, somebody could purchase a laser, and you do very good training. But people are you know they're responsible for what they know how to do and how they use it. So it's not a panacea just to have the laser, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit. But in general, you know I I always like to say it's not just about the tool; it's the provider using the tool because there are many providers who do. Yes. Sit- procedures amazing and that's all they know how to do and that's fine but there are also some providers who use whatever they have and try to change the application for something that it's not meant to be for so that's what i've seen sometimes which isn't a good result does that make sense yes absolutely are you a professional that feels like you didn't learn enough about tongue tie in school, whether you're a lactation consultant, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a midwife, a doula, a doctor, a speech language pathologist, a chiropractor, PT, OT, dentist, etc. I don't mean to leave anyone out. Anyone who works with pregnant or breastfeeding families in any capacity who is curious about tongue tie is welcome in the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. What you'll learn, we have four modules, assessment, treatment plan, phrenotomy, and aftercare. So much great information, and it comes with a community. I didn't learn this in school, did you? Tongue tie treatment can be complex, and those who expect relief of symptoms with a quick snip or even a laser release even by an experienced provider, are usually disappointed. Join me to learn protocols that offer an organized and simplified plan to support families through decision-making, preparation, treatment plans, procedure if needed, and aftercare. Learn the teamwork model of care. Knowing why and which providers are necessary will make things easier for you and provide effective outcomes for your patients. Please sign up today. The link is in the show notes, but you can go to my website, tongueTieExperts.net. Go to the professional tab. And one last thing, since you listen to my podcast, you'll get 15% off just by using the coupon code PODCAST15. And the word podcast is all in caps. Can't wait to see you in the group. Take care. So I want to talk a little bit about the training, um, about the American Laser Study Club, um, because I think that's really cool to to know about. 
because I mean, how geeky does that sound? Like, you know, I lectured for the American Laser Study Club. It sounds like it sounds like nothing I'd ever, ever have imagined myself as a midwife or a lactation consultant. But the reason that I love being in that um, situation and being among the people that come to your conferences is because of the amazing multidisciplinary learning that goes on and conversations like we just had about the results with this thing or the results of that and what we're looking for, these go on and there's so much networking and, and, and um, education going on, even among the members, plus you always have great speakers and we learn from each other. So tell us a little bit about American Laser Study Club. Yeah, so the idea about American Laser Study Club, uh, Study Club uh, came about after trying everything else as far as the education. Mm-hmm. And so, so I was uh, helping another society for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dental society. And then the, after five years of trying to bring in a very simple uh, laser tissue interaction physics, Mm-hmm. From the physicians, from the medicine to dentistry, big politics, okay? Yeah. And was that, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, started the American Laser Study Club, and instantly uh, it became a very friendly and very powerful professional platform, mm-hmm. especially for the uh, dentists who uh, are operating in this new and very dynamic field. Mm-hmm. tongue ties, slip ties, oral restrictions, and the, from the, you know, being the engineer and a laser physicist, but even I understand that's the, uh, it's, it's not just owning, having the laser. Right. It's the why, you know, why are you performing this procedure? Right. And if you even have the reasons to, to go and start the next big question is where do you start? You right. know, <laughs> what's right. your start point? Right. So then when and, and then kind of how deep you go, how wide you go. Right. So all of those clinical uh questions instantly bring in all the uh, specialists like yourself, mm-hmm. like patient consultant, mm-hmm. registered nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, speech language pathologists or myofunctional therapists, mm-hmm. physical uh, therapists, because this is the such a multidisciplinary field yes. where yeah. they just like you saw on a tomato, I can I can I can teach a dentist, give me give me 10 minutes and we're going to be safe going into the live patient only if we have the proper equipment. And so we have the some of the simple techniques mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. But the, to we, we cannot teach American Laser Study Club cannot really pretend to teach anything about the clinical. Like right. you went through years of your education, dentists right. went through their programs. Right. So American Laser Study Club became that platform where the uh, uh, for our meetings the symposia mm-hmm. it was kind of a unique concept where the he just did not want to have you know quote unquote key opinion leaders mm-hmm. to teach for three days uh i mean one uh, uh faculty teaches for uh, three days or so mm-hmm. so the idea was to bring in as uh, many 
uh, clinicians across all of the specialties mm -hmm. and to contribute into this uh, common uh, uh, topic from all these different angles. Right. Like, for instance, like how do we suture? For instance, like, right. do we suture or not and when and how? Right, right. And, and so, yeah, so... What I think is crucial is having, like you said, you were trying the, the politics, bringing the medicine and the dental together is, you know, there's always when you're dealing with the powers that be, it's very hard to get different professions to listen to each other. Right. And there are, there are a couple of tongue tie associations that do this pretty well as well. The interdisciplinary learning, because we usually learn in silos. We usually learn like, if I go to a midwife conference, it's just midwives talking to midwives. If I go to a lactation conference, it's just lactation consultants talking to other lactation consultants. But here it's doctors and dentists listening to the physical therapist or the chiropractor or the lactation consultants and vice versa. And we're learning from each other because, as you said before, the clinical, here's the other thing about it, just because you can purchase a laser doesn't mean you know when the function needs to be improved. Right. Yes, right. Absolutely. So absolutely. there's that learning curve too. And those who do well in this, I mean, you've heard me preach about the team approach. You know, we're interacting right. with each other about the patient, deciding the proper timing, you know, what the patient needs before or after the procedure. You know, and this is different depending on the age of the child, but even a newborn, you know, like maybe it's not time for that newborn to have the phren the phrenectomy, even though it looks like there's a phrenum that's restrictive. Maybe we need to work with mom on her milk supply first or whatever it may be. So I love being able to share my knowledge and my clinical clinical experience and applications with those who are learning how to use the laser, it just makes perfect sense, you know? So that's what I love about, about American Laser Study Club. Um, yeah, so is there anything about the laser and what we're talking about that I haven't asked you that you think it's important for, for our audience to hear? I mean, you know, maybe yeah, from I the think parents' the, side, you know? Yeah, like, I, I think from, from the parents' side of things, it's simpler to uh, kind of think about, there is only really three types of lasers in dentistry. You know, not 300 million, just three types. Mm -hmm. They are diodes, they are the erbium lasers, and they are the CO2 lasers, just three. Mm -hmm. So whenever you hear laser phrenectomy, laser phrenectomy, laser phrenectomy, the correct uh, question is, which type of laser is it? Right, right. So if it is a diode, it's a hot tip. It's a hot tip cautery. It's uh, so I have a personal story with uh, my daughter traveling in Europe. Uh, we did have the emergency operculectomy needed to be done, inflamed uh, tissue around the wisdom tooth. Okay. And the, unfortunately, the circumstances were such that the only option right there and then was the diet laser. Mm -hmm. And then the, I even wrote a little article about it in a dental sleep uh, practice uh, journal. Uh, three weeks after the surgery, she was in pain and the pain was on a 10 on a scale of 10. Wow. Why? She was a burn victim. Wow. Such excessive depth of the thermal impact. Mm -hmm. it, it does not heal well. 
Right. So she was 24 at the time, an adult. The solution was the painkiller. Right. But imagine, can you really use the strong painkillers for the baby? Right. The answer is not. Right. And the trauma that that causes for a newborn. Exactly. Yep. Is, so, it's so, so sad. So kind of five years ago, a lot on the Facebook discussions were such that lasers burn, scissors are the greatest. Right. Well, diet lasers burn. Uh, but when you go into the other type of the lasers, for instance, the CO2 laser. So then if you simply kind of know this little piece of information for the skin resurfacing, mm-hmm. the king, kind of the golden standards of the using the laser with the pretty dramatic and still very kind of the gentle effects. It's a CO2 laser. It's mm-hmm. not any type of laser. Mm-hmm. So now you think that, oh, but skin heals so much worse than the oral tissue. So if there is a type of the laser that can get you such excellent results on a pretty tough clinically uh, the target tissue, this is one of the reasons why it works so well right. on the oral tissue. Right. So in other and words, so, if it works so well on skin, it's going to work even better. Exactly. Yes. So incidentally, when my grandson was born, um, uh, within a week, my daughter-in-law, well, she was pretty, very brave for one week, but because of the oral restrictions, mm-hmm. he was working hard on the breast for about 20 minutes. He could not extract anything because of the you know, hardware was not working. Mm-hmm. He falls asleep hungry, right? sleeps for 20 minutes, and he is back at the breast. Right. Same vicious cycle. Pain again. 24-7. So then Anya, my daughter-in-law said, Peter, call Dr. JT, my (laughs) friend here in Mm Dalio. So at two weeks of age, and and the decision was, yeah, I it's my grandson, and I thank God I know what kind of laser is it and why. Right. Right. So it was the lip tie, tongue tie, two buckle ties. Wow. Each side he won the jump. Seconds. He won the jackpot, your grandson. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I, you know what's amazing, Lisa, was that the, during these two weeks of compensating, uh-huh. he made his upper lip work in a very specific way to extract some of the milk. Right. So after the phrenectomies with the lip tie and two buckle ties gone, his memories already were set. He he did not want to change. Yeah, hard. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. So then you know, retrain the mouth. Yeah, that's what we do. Exactly, and this yeah. and this is where the the post op therapies mm-hmm. were so super important. And again, this is not just the laser phrenectomy. Right. This is what comes on the front end. What comes on the uh, post op end for the for the best uh, right. results. Yeah, so, yeah. So so we have that that um, shared experience of both having grandsons your grandson's a little older than mine but my grandson too had to have uh, a tongue tie release and yes we chose the co2 laser and i'm hoping my daughter will come on one day and talk about her story but it was so much more for him it's more than that and and it's also about um he was in a very awkward position during the last few weeks of her pregnancy and he kind of got stuck in a position in her pelvis and his head is a little or was a little bit off centered. So he wasn't able to move his head in the pr- proper way to open his mouth. And then he had the oral restriction. So we did lots of we did OT and PT and working with myself and an SLP before the procedure. 
Then he had the procedure. He recovered well. Believe it or not, my own grandson has a little bit of reattachment, but we're still working on the body work around it because it's not just about that frenum, right? You're not just about the frenum. And you know what's amazing for me during that experience? uh, For me, the experience was that uh, I've been present during my travels, probably at the 200, 300 phrenectomies at Mm -hmm. the dental offices, some other specialists too. And so it, it... I knew how fast and kind of um, uneventful just are. Babies don't really make much noise, and the, mm-hmm. but I never saw the patient post-op. Right. It was always a mystery. I, I've heard about it. Right. So the the first night when they brought my grandson Leo home, my granddaughter said, "Oh, he's a little cranky." But what I told her, look. Two weeks of his life before that, that was living hell. Right, <laughs> Forget right, about cranky. Right. So we were ready with the Tylenol, baby Tylenol and Arnica and everything. He mm-hmm. didn't need any of that. Oh, Next good. day, good. he was just like, a, you know, an industrial right. pump. He was just expanding <laughs> that milk. It's amazing the how pump. fast the little ones learn new ways, right? In, in yep. good, you know, in, in the perfect world, it's, it's a very... Um, satisfactory procedure in that things get better quickly. And then for some, it's a little bit more involved, but I'm just grateful that we have the right tools and the right professionals who are trained to use those tools or not, because, you know, you don't want to be cutting it. And let, let me also mention, Lisa, that's that is my belief that's that if you know your tools and you can adjust, uh, then you can still make a pretty decent use of them uh, I've seen uh, phrenectomies, pretty sophisticated phrenectomies done with the electrocautery. Mm-hmm. And then, but that was in their super expert hands, right. super experienced. And the, uh, my also one of my favorite examples is how uh, Dr. Zaghi mm-hmm. uh, uses, he is kind of, he's using the CO2 laser, he's using the scissors and hemostat technique. Uh, but the, there is there is so much expertise and knowledge of the anatomy mm-hmm. that goes to the success, and part of this big success is like it's the pre-op oromyofascial therapy. Right. It, it it really does so much magic. Right. Prepares the patient for that procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, it, it really kind of know your tools. And you know, if you if you if you like the CO2 laser, God bless you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you um, uh, if you if you have have different tools, then they just recognize the differences. Mm-hmm. Can you make them? You know, some of them you can make not as good as the CO2, but you you can still make them safe, mm-hmm. not as fast. Uh, right. But the, just knowing the tool, uh, education, and it's not just the tool, it's everything that goes around right. pre-op and right. post-op. And, and back to the theory of it's not as much the tool, but it's the person operating it. So if somebody has a diode laser that they've been using their whole life and they know how to adjust it and they know the specific settings and they careful and they know exactly how they have to use it, they may be good at doing that procedure with that tool, but not everybody has that 
precise knowledge and training and, and, um, you know, uh, experience to be able to do that. So we're glad that, um, we have these amazing tools. I mean, before I got into this field, I had no idea. Like I had heard about laser hair removal, but I didn't really know what a laser was. I mean, I, I went to school in the eighties. So, you know, that's before things were even happening with laser. Laser was the thing that in star Wars, they fought right. with, right? <laughs> you know, that that's what a laser was to me. So um, we've come so far. Thank you to scientists like you who've done the research and developed these tools to make things easier for us. So, um, this has been a great conversation. I am so grateful that you took the time to spend with our audience today to explain all of this. I think it's a very unique conversation, one that a lot of people will never have heard about before. And, you know, I think I'm very grateful that you um, agreed to come on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Bitchuk, for Thank being you. here. And one thing I want to say before we sign off is, um, you know, I know that you are from Ukraine and you still have family in Ukraine. Yes. And with everything that is going on, um, we want to acknowledge, you know, and honor what your countrymen are going through and also help to contribute in any way that we can. So I'm going to include a link in the show notes where if people want to donate to the Ukraine cause, they can click on the link in the show notes and give whatever they can. If everybody who listens gave a couple of bucks, you know, it would it would definitely help out, right? Right, absolutely. Thank you so much, Lisa. Um, thank, my you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity and for this um, uh, call uh, uh, for you for Ukraine. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.